Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing the nativity scene. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, it's uh, good to be with you, to be able to take some time and to talk about these kinds of things. But even the, the aspect of the nativity scene, you know, we talk about that, but it's really referred more accurately to as a creche scene uh, because nativity scene has a particular, a, a particular meaning to it. And the creche is, is more descriptive of, of what the whole thing was, that the nativity scene as we know it today is a much later development from the creche scenes that were out there. Uh, and, and, and I learned something new with this also, that uh, I, I thought that nativity scenes, creche scenes, one were the same thing. and, and Interchangeable. Not, nece- not necessarily. What? And I, I recognize, and I didn't know this, that the nativity scene that we know of today was really uh, brought to be more popular in the 1200s with Francis of Assisi. But the creche scene, as it was originally looked at and perceived, this goes back to the second century. It goes back much, much earlier than I even thought that it did, mm-hmm. that, it, that it was much later development. And yet, what archaeologists and others have, have recognized is that you find different kinds of scenes that are in catacombs, that are in different places, uh, that were part of the early Christian century, and you find these things in, in a lot of different places where Christians would have gathered, where they would have celebrated way before they would have even celebrated Christmas, per se, as Christmas as we know it, and would have celebrated, uh, as I've mentioned before, that, for example, Christmas itself, uh, the birth of Christ, it was celebrated at one time in June, in May, in July, in November, in December. Eventually, as things were settled, it, it became a, a celebration in December to counteract or to combat, you know, a, a particular celebrations of, of, of various gods and goddesses of the universe that this was really a celebration then that said, no, what we believe is that the incar- was in, we believe in the incarnation, that the divine became human, and that that is what we celebrate as opposed to what is celebrated uh, by, the, uh, by the, the politic or of the people, by society, and, and, and what was happening around at that time. Well, this is just a side note, but, uh, you know, I, growing up, I was like, oh, yeah, Christmas is in December. That makes sense, you know, the light of the world's coming. It's the darkest time of the year. Then you realize the Southern Hemisphere is in the middle of their summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their warmest weather. And so that's a totally different... I, I have that connotation because it's dark and cold up here, but... Down south, totally different. And when you think about all of those, when you think about uh, how these decisions are made, so much of that was influenced um, in a time where people during the winter would have experienced darkness and such and needed light. And so the people making these decisions 
would have been influenced by the seasons that that they were um, uh, that they were affected by. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and not to mention, not to mention when all of these things were taking place, they saw the world as flat. There wouldn't have been for many of those folks, there wouldn't have been a southern hemisphere. Sure. And so when you when your world is is a one particular ilk or is very homogeneous in that way, these things all make sense until you realize, and as people did over the centuries, eh, maybe the world's not <laughs> quite as flat as we think it is, and that there's a whole lot more that needs to be taken into consideration. But by that time, those decisions had been made, and, and major portions of the world, or the major political bodies, military bodies, uh, economic bodies or cities or whatever, that many of these had already decided these decisions. And now the, the rest of the world in sometimes was dragged along kicking and screaming because they were saying, wait a minute, you know, you you don't control us. <laughs> eh, yeah, in some ways you do. I mean, in, in some ways you do because of the political, economic, military power that they, they wielded at those points in time. And I would say even religious power is that the church at one point in its existence and such was a major political body and was a major military power. And so when you think about how those decisions were made, certainly made by some very powerful, powerful entities that really, you might say, were the calling the shots in the world at that Mm -hmm. time. This is not something that is new, though, when it comes to something like the crash. We have all sorts of, of examples that, that have influenced our life, have influenced our world and in our understanding the world, understanding of the world. And, and for example, you know, something as simple as, you know, the, the candy cane. You know, it's, it's all over the world, and yet it's based on a shepherd's crook, uh, the red and the white talks about the Lord's purity and sacrifice. Peppermint, the royal gift of spice. Uh, The cane itself, like Christ's body, to be broken and to be shared. Is that the original thoughts for a candy cane? Or did those come about after and someone's like, hey, this works? No, these have been with us for a long time. Now, I'm not quite sure how far back they go. But, you know, candy has been around for a long time and these kinds of candies. So those multicolored ones don't really follow that? Uh, not necessarily, no, they don't. <laughs> we, there are always variations on a the theme here, always. And for something you know, that goes back to the Roman times, for example, is you have Christmas holly. Um, it, was, it, represented, it represented the burning bush for Moses. Now, again, this goes back to the early, early centuries is that the prickly points and berries represented the crown of thorns. And there was a legend that the berries were once yellow, but were stained by Christ's blood when they were used as the crown of thorns. And ever since then, they have been red. So I'm staring at this fake wreath we have in the middle of our room (laughs) with some red glittery holly berries, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's amazing where all of this stuff comes from. No kidding. And how it develops, but it goes back a long, long ways. And one thing I thought was found was interesting 
was that there was a legend that if you brought uh, holly uh, into the home, it was not. It was only supposed to be used outside the house. When you brought it into the home, that it could and would cause fights between family members. <laughs> so you never wanted to bring, you know, uh, a holly or holly bush or branch into your home. So we have to accuse Marie of bringing fake holly in here and wanting to cause fights Causing within fi- the staff. Is that what? <laughs> Is that what we're going to tell her? We're going to have to tell her that, yes. These types of things uh, were used by Romans as gestures of goodwill to hang on somebody's door, uh, hung on doors of Northern Europeans as a symbol of shelter, and and it was hung there for the, uh, you might say, to assuage or to let the wood spirits know that you were concerned about them. So just... You know, just in case you wanted to know that and you wanted to uh, make sure that the wood spirits near your home, uh, that you respected some woods them. Yeah, better. you respected them. So we have all sorts of these kinds of things that that really are part of our culture. And a lot of times we don't even know it. We mm-hmm. don't even know where it comes from. But it's amazing how these things, you know, stick with us. And that, I, you know, we have... We have folks who, who will tell us, I am not superstitious. I believe only in science. I believe in only in what I can see. But don't step on the crack. You break your mother's back. Don't bring Holly in your house because it'll cause a fight. I've never heard anyone say that. And yet... I've heard people say stepping on a crack. People believe these things, you, you know. Well, but it's the same as like, don't see the bride before the wedding. Exactly. Or bride exactly. and groom. And this by brides and grooms that tell you, we're not old fashioned. We don't believe in all of that malarkey, yada, yada, yada. As long as you don't do this. It's, it's all of these things in so many ways are very, very hard to let go, let go of. And I think they're part of the, the cultural psyche of, in, in, of a lot of people in lots of different ways. Yeah. The culture in, in, in which we come out of. Uh, some having the, these taboos or, or other things that we consider to be taboo are very socially acceptable and people have no problems with at all. So there are lots of different things. And when you think about Christmas and what Christmas has meant over the years and the centuries is that there are tremendous, tremendous cultural, social, either uh, graces, taboos, rituals that have built up around this in so many ways. And in many ways with this, the creche is, is one of those. And it's, I also found that it's either pronounced as creche or creche. Could it be can, either. Can be pronounced either way. So tomato, <laughs> either or either. Yes. It, it's yes. Okay. Uh, one of the other ones that I I just wanted to uh, just mention very quickly quickly was uh, the carnation. That uh, it is as cons- in the flower. As in the flower, uh, it is a uh, flower of rejoicing, and the legend has it. Ooh. Always a legend. Yep. The legend has it that it first appeared in its in existence. At the birth of Christ in the manger. <laughs> Interesting. Go figure. Go figure. We <laughs> I have mean, lots I suppose there's things. a lot of fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. A lot of different things happening in that. So going back, let's say, to a little bit of the history uh, of, the, of the crash, that 
we are able to to look at and saying there's a lot more here than than at first glance and as i had mentioned is that uh, my my thought and and what i had learned and i'm surprised i didn't know this but I, what i had learned was that it really was around in the 1200s with francis and and it has a much longer history when they talk about the earliest representations of, of the nativity or the crash is that these go back, you know, to the second century, second century. So you're talking about the 100s, um, obviously 1100 years before many people believe yeah. that, that these ever were, were in existence. Now, and, it wasn't, you said they found them in caves or something, right? Cave, catacombs. Catacombs. And for example, it. the catacombs of St. Priscilla uh, in the second century. Where is she? Uh, or where is that? They were, you know, I, I'm not actually sure oh, where that is. You'll have up. to Google that. Um, but I was just wondering, they didn't find them before that. So it's not like someone prophetically wrote that down or drew that or anything no, like that. No, no, okay. I think it's just, it was, again, the the artistic imagination of people. It was certainly the, uh, you know, how people perceive these things to be part of their faith life, how people imagine it how people expressed what they believed. It's in Rome, by the way. It's in Rome, okay. And so you're talking again in Rome in, in, in the 100s. Um, these particular images portrayed the mother and child, the three wise men, St. Joseph, and they think that there was um, the prophet was probably the prophet Isaiah because there's that extra person and normally, when any of these people, that there was always somehow a symbol or somehow something that would that would indicate who they are. Hmm. And the best guess they have for this extra person is is most likely the prophet Isaiah. Now, I suspect a lot of where they would have purchased, where they would not purchased, where they would have come to an awareness of that, or or maybe thought of putting someone like him in there, is because of the scriptures. Uh, that he has written that oftentimes refers to or is believed to refer to the to the coming Messiah. So okay, Isaiah so it was the mother and the child. Mother and child and Saint Joseph. Joseph. Uh, there was the three wise men. Okay. And then this extra person that they believed to be Isaiah. Not a shepherd. Not a shepherd. No, it was evidently it was not a shepherd because shepherds were always portrayed in a particular way. And they would have had either, you know, a sheep by them. They would have had uh, canes with them. They would have had, and, and this person doesn't have any of that. Maybe it was a helper. Could have been. Most likely they say it's Isaiah. I think that's probably a good guess. You mean I can't rewrite historical no, can't rewrite documents? It. And what's also interesting, and they didn't make really too much of this, but they, but they did make mention that the star had eight points. Hmm. And stars are usually not depicted with eight points. And they thought that that was, they, and they aren't sure why, what that would generally mean, but they, they did say that that seemed to be a, a rather interesting um, piece of information that these stars were, were depicted with eight points. When we go back to uh, really the early centuries, uh, the nativity of Jesus 
has it, at first it was slow in 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 really getting you might say getting up to speed and you might say well why wouldn't they because it was the birth of jesus the savior well but no i mean people knew that but not enough to like well not only that it, they it didn't down. know he was the savior until the right. resurrection right so you have a lot of years and even then it took a while for them to grasp what this meant for him to be. You know, it would be, nobody knows who Howard Hazy is and nobody really cares. And nobody knows where I really grew up in the house and all of that. Not important. Now, if in the next 20 years, God willing that I am still alive, I discover the cure for COVID and all things related viral, everybody would know where I'm from. Everybody would know who I am. So it wasn't until... You know, Jesus really, they, they came to understand who he was, mm -hmm. that they really started to do any of this. And even after then, after, after they, they realized who he was, it was that these, you know, these... these but that these, wasn't important at that exactly. time, that part it of the life. wasn't important, you're right. And this know-nothing group that was considered to be nothing more than a bunch of revolutionaries and rabble-rousers, not even known in many ways as Christians yet, is that they weren't going to pay attention to it. Simply wasn't important. So if you go off that, though, and you consider that it was in the 100s somewhere that they started you seeing depictions of it, wasn't one of the Gospels written in around that time, 100s? Yes. So it really didn't take a long time for those depictions to start. Correct. It, it, it didn't. It didn't. But it wasn't popular. I yeah. mean, it wasn't as we know it around the world. Okay. It really didn't start to take off to be a major subject of Christian art until around the fourth century, the 300s. Yes, oh. you had these places. There's no question about it. And you're right. A lot of that would have been based, you know, off of the gospel stories that would have been shared with these different communities. But as far as really, and, and, and what's, why is this important, is because you have uh, much of the, the beliefs and, and many of the, the legends and stories that we have about the Bible and about different events that happen in the Bible are not based in the Bible, but are based in the artistic renditions that people have made. For an example, you know, it doesn't say Paul fell off a horse when he had his <laughs> conversion. And yet, what you have are various artistic renditions of rather famous artists that have Paul having fallen off a horse. Is that you have, you know, when it has the Magi. They are Magi. They're not kings. It doesn't say three kings. It says Magi. Well, what is that, though? Magi... Are, are wise men. Magi are wanderers. Magi are, are philosophers. Magi mm. are those people who wander around kind of seeking information so that they can be wiser and they can share it. Kings would never have done that, not without a retinue. Magi were people who kind of did this as a life avocation, you might say. Hmm. So it says Magi. And it doesn't have them also, it doesn't say that Magi were in the manger. The Magi, it says, when they entered the house. Mm -hmm. So, but the artistic renditions talk about we three kings, you know, songs. Uh, the, the artistic renditions of these Magi coming to a stable. 
So at one time was the translation kings and not magi. No, it was never. It was never kings. It was never kings. No, that. that so I is, wonder where that came from. Music. Well, I know, Songs. but you would think that that stems from something somewhere that king. Was, uh, the word kings got put in there because obviously, yes, people grasped onto sure. that. But like, where I want to know where that. My suspicion is that kings sounded a whole lot better than magi. You know, why do we use certain words for music? Because they rhyme, because they sound better, because it fits, because the music, you know, is able to be fit with that. I'm sure there were lots of different reasons why and, you know, and, and some of the background. But it's just what it does, though, is it shows us the influence that our art and that our music, which is also an art, mm-hmm. uh, has on what we believe and how we believe and the way it is expressed. That really started to take off in the 300s, 400s. It started to develop more and more and more. They were they based more and more on the Bible. You're looking at Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't have, you know, a nativity story in it. That's true. So in Unless the, you count the like in the beginning was the word and that's about the closest, but word that doesn't was make made flesh. Yeah, that doesn't make for good pictures though. <laughs> no, but poetic language. You know, that pictures probably spoke greater. You have, um, let's see here. So Tell going, that to Shakespeare. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um, also, you, with your artistic renditions and such, is that the way things were um, depicted made a huge difference as to how it caught on. You know, for example, if you take uh, depictions of, of Mary and of Jesus, you know, Madonna and child, virgin and child, there are all sorts of, of labels that you can use for that. They represent, you might say, a particular aspect or attribute of Mary or Jesus. Um, you look at the Pieta, and it speaks of the, the gentleness and, and a mother cradling her, her adult son. You look at some of the Madonna and child. In some of those depictions, Mary is nursing. In some of those depictions, it is a mother simply cradling her infant child in her arms. Those are, are in some ways more encapsulated, you might say, in what they depict. The nativity and what was developed from the crash, the nativity was something different. It told a whole, it, 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 it told a much larger, broader story. The nativity. The nativity with all of the creature, the creatures and the characters that are part of so it. So the crash is just the three of them. More just the three. Okay. And and a lot of times, not even the three. It's just an empty manger. Okay. Is that. When you look at the whole nativity scene as it developed, it tells a much broader story because it has animals, mm-hmm. it has shepherds, it has you Angel. know, angels and drummer boys and all sorts of characters that have been added over time, magi, um, all of these things. It tells a much broader story that we can fill the details in. 
and we can make it part of our story. We can make it part of an ethnic story. We can make it part of a, of a particular religious bent story. There are all sorts of things we can do with it mm -hmm. that you really can't do so much when you just got a mom and a baby. You got a mom and a baby. Yeah. Okay. This, this you might say, opened doors in a whole new way. And, and as a consequence, really took off after that fourth century, you might say, and fed into, you know, how, how this was depicted, whether in music, in, uh, whether in art, whether in carvings, uh, whether wood, marble, all sorts of things there. There was just an awful lot that was able to be done because it, it lent itself to a much bigger, a much broader story. And so, which then allows people to become extremely, extremely creative. Um, you know, sometimes the, the ethnicity of the characters are changed. Uh, skin color is changed. Uh, it takes on, you know, I have seen creches of all sorts, you know, where, or nativity scenes, all sorts, where they have an oriental, obviously, background from it. Uh, African, from African nations, northern and southern, mm -hmm. uh, aboriginal, all sorts of folks. Uh, you know, but see, that's what that story lends itself to. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and then as I said, we, we fill in depending upon our own experience and, and such as far as that goes. So you move forward then. And what happens then, really the next, might say, major step that, that took place was, was around the nativity scene in Italy uh, near Ardenolfo di Cambio around 1289. Um, this goes back to the scene, you know, that uh, in fact, this nativity scene, you can still see it today, in tw again, 1289. Interesting. It was a, a very famous one. Many popes, literally up to the late 1800s, would go there to celebrate the Christmas uh, midnight mass. Really? Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. But part of this all comes from, you know, uh, really from this little village in 1223, Grecio, uh, near Assisi, where, again, the legend has it, is that uh, Saint, as Saint, this is related by Saint Bonaventure, uh, one of Saint Francis's faithful followers and companions. Um, he took a, a manger and filled it with hay, no baby, Took a manger, filled it with hay. Who? This is Saint Francis. Saint Francis. Did this? Okay. This was in 1223, and he filled it with hay. He tied an ass and an ox near it, and with a crowd of people from all over the neighboring countryside, he attended. Uh, they attended the celebration of mass in front of the crib. It was like this was the door that, when it was opened, it just it just broke everything loose. Um, it 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 was. You might say just a whole nother um, rush or flood of creativity that took place. But what's interesting here is that there were no figures, just an empty crib, but people gathered and with a few animals, how you could almost see the imagination of the people starting to crank up. Mm -hmm. Wow, wouldn't this be a whole lot nicer if there were a baby <laughs> or what? You know, it those, made an impression. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a powerful thing because one the the, the legends continues, mm -hmm. and 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 you know whether it was exactly that way or not is really not nearly as important. 
But what was important is that, as I mentioned, this kind of opened the floodgates of, of the development of what we would call Christmas liturgical ceremonies. That somehow these rituals and ways of, of um, ways of somehow depicting a particular element in our faith history is that how these added to, uh, to our rituals and such just spoke deeply to the mystery, the sacred mysteries that we celebrate. Uh, mysteries of, of, of whether it's baptism or whether it is Eucharist or whether you know, all these things, the incarnation itself, it, it, it led to a whole nother time and development of what it meant to celebrate this and to have these as key parts, you know, to, to our liturgical rituals. Now, in a sense, they have no, you might say a purist would say, well, they have no place there. Yeah, but you go into a church at Christmas time, what's one of the first things you look for? You don't even have to wait for Christmas in our church. There's a window. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> it's you know, huge. You know, when you think about these, that these, these depictions have sparked the imaginations in such a tremendous way that you're right. We have a major, one of the major stained glass windows in our church depicts the, the scene of the nativity mm -hmm. as it was imagined, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, as far as that goes and, and, and artistry and stuff like that. But it's, it's looking at these things and realize that of, of the place that, and, and the role that they have in, in our belief system in what we hold sacred and how we express what took place, how we express what it means for the divine to enter into our, our, our world, into our human existence, that, you know, you almost want to say, what was God thinking that somehow he disregarded all of the protocols that anybody with any sense of respect should have had. <laughs> you don't go to the riffraff. You go to the kings. You go to the royalty. You go to the high priests. You go to the people with power. You go to the people with influence. And where does God go? This know-nothing town in a know-nothing part of the world this know-nothing family that, that is completely and totally disregarded is that these are, you know, people on the run. These are people searching for a home. These are people simply trying to do the best they can because people of power said they had to take a census. And so you had to go and be counted or face consequences. Didn't matter whether you could afford it or not. Didn't matter whether you were pregnant or not. What mattered is that you obeyed or otherwise you got your butt kicked. It was to these very low life and, you know, disenfranchised people, this is where the divine one jumps into our world. What was he thinking? <laughs> you know, and yet, again, it spurs the imagination of who this Jesus was, of how this Jesus you know, being savior could relate to the poor, could relate to the disenfranchised, could relate to the widow, could relate to, to all of those who were beaten down by various powers. This was not lost on people. 
this made sense. And when, even after centuries, centuries beyond the time and the birth, life, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus, is that people could still relate to the disenfranchised, to the poor. To if the there's pe people in power, there's always going to be people exactly. who are not. Exactly. And that somehow God pays attention to those disenfranchised folks in a way a little bit differently, maybe a lot differently than to those who have everything going for them. Still speaks. <laughs> the story still speaks. The theology still speaks. And what people glean from it as they celebrate this, whether it's in cinema, songs, whatever it might be, it still speaks to a world that still needs to hear the message. I mean, in some ways, it's so basic. Um, it's as basic of an archetype, you might say, as water or a candle, that these things are so basic. The nativity scene, the crash that it developed from, seems to be one of the things that are so basic. It speaks almost on a universal level. And so when you think about the history of where this has come from, uh, it's, and it's not just only a, you know, a European history. It's not, it's, it's a history now over the centuries. It's a history that's worldwide. And even in cultures that may not completely understand or may not completely have an, uh, an entire awareness of, of, of the story, you will see these kinds of depictions. You will see these kinds of, of symbolic representations in all, all sorts of cultures, um, non-Christian and Christian alike. And, and even places, you know, where, where sometimes these things may be, oh, let's just say they may be banned because of, you know, because of its Christian origins, is that you recognize that there is so much more here that the human spirit can, you can't stop the human spirit. You just can't stop the human spirit. And so as a consequence, you know, all of these things, you know, are, are um, really have a, have a significance, uh, whether in, in Christian areas or not so much Christian areas. The, going back then to a little bit with, with Francis is in, the, in a way that you have a couple of stages, but when Francis, you know, with these, um, with with the celebration as he did it, as legend has it, is that um, it has been a familiar sight. You might say it's kind of the the next major development sense or major development in the nativity scene that just has taken off and has made a difference in our prayer in places all over the world. I can just hear, you know, people that came to that mass and. Because based on you know things we do here and things yes. I hear after mass and people, oh that was great. I hope you do it again next year. Oh I really like that and it just kept growing and growing. It and does. The nativity scene just exploded. And it. Oh guess what we did at our church? Yes. Letters back and forth and yes. oh we should do that too. And it sparks the creativity. It sparks the imagination of how. And, and not everything can do this, you know, as, as, we, as we well know. Mm. There are songs that really catch you and you can't get out of your brain. And other songs that are one-hit wonders and you hear them and they're really popular for a short time. And, and after that, you go, who? What? Yeah. Where? When? 
was that even a, a famous song? Um, and or, then, oh yeah, I remember that. Ex- exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, well, we, we talked a bit about that, you know, when uh, your mom and I were speaking about the song Smiling Faces. You know, it just, it was a hit. And no one ever talks about that hit. Yeah, I did uh, not know that song. Uh, and yet it was huge, you know, in the day. <laughs> not That's, my day. Yeah, no. No, that was more my day. <laughs> it's, it's, those are the kinds of things that can make such a difference. And, and you're right. You know, these, these are the things. This, this kind of, of, of thing just gets the wheels turning. And it's something you do write home about. Mm-hmm. Guess what I saw? Guess what I experienced? This was incredible. This is something, as you said, that people will really like. I think we should try it here. And then what we do is we put our own twist on it. You know? Now, you know, I don't know what the history has been here because I haven't really checked it out. But the history uh, that, that I always came out of was is that there was always a some sort of little box or dish where you put a coin in. Now, for kids, it was cool because you got to put a penny in there. Mm. Growing up, it was a penny. Um, but you also knew that that penny, and this is largely to do with the Franciscan background, is that that penny was going to go to feed some poor baby someplace. You, you knew that mm-hmm. because that's what those pennies did. Because you were giving that, and it's just interesting, again, talk about the creative story. You were giving that penny to baby Jesus, who would give it to his mom and dad, and his mom and dad would make sure that it would help feed babies someplace in the world. Okay. That's what we were told. That's what we learned. And so, you know, I remember a couple of places where I've been as as pastor that they didn't have the little bowl or they and some did but others didn't or the mm-hmm. little box and usually there would be something clever so you could hear it drop in um and you know it's like wait a minute <laughs> where's the little bowl where's the little box i want to give my penny to baby jesus so baby jesus can give it to his mom or dad mm-hmm. so that mom and dad could then feed some poor baby someplace in the world. Uh, we do have that here. It's I don't know that it goes to feed poor babies somewhere in the world, but when you drop it in, um, the angel's head nods. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or bows or whatever. I mean, those, those are cool things you remember mm-hmm. when you're growing up, but those are also the cool, cool things that feed your imagination. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, One of the things that Jesus did in so many ways by what he taught, the example that he showed, oftentimes by the, oftentimes by the, uh, the parables that he told, and and a huge chunk of the Bible itself, it feeds the imagination. Mm -hmm. It feeds the religious and spiritual imagination of what we are able to do through the grace and goodness of God, what we're able to do to make this world better, what we are able to do to help feed the hungry, to help bring an end to war, uh, to help clothe the naked, to visit the imprisoned, in such a way that, you know, you, you have people, and even today, 
you have people saying, I want to go and, and I want to run off to some missionary land so I can feed the hungry. I can clothe the naked. I want to run off someplace and I want to visit the imprisoned. I want to visit people in the hospitals. Is that that imagination is still being fed by the power of the Word of God as shared by the Savior. It's being fed by things such as the rituals that we have that, that really can and do feed the imagination. And I look at, 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 at what we do, for example, when we have, you know, midnight mass and we use incense and we more candles. And yeah, will we? Absolutely. When we have all of that, of how it continues to feed the imagination to this very day, and you watch the faces, not only of the adults, but you watch the faces of the kids as they walk by that crib scene. And, and they put their penny in that somehow that penny is going <laughs> to help, you know, little babies and Jesus. Inflation, it's a quarter well, now. It's a quarter now, yes. <laughs> I've seen a few dollars sometimes. But those are, the, those are the marvelous things that we recognize. Something like the nativity scene can, can help us with. Because on our own, sometimes it just can become blah. And, and, but, but boy, when we have those things, we can spark an awful lot. Mm-hmm. So sure. It has a, has a long history in our, in our uh, faith tradition. And I believe it will continue to have a long history that we keep depicting it in different ways and different manner, shapes, or forms. And whatever church you go to, I would say by far m- most of them have some sort of depiction of the crash or, or the nativity scene. And it continues to feed the hearts and the imaginations of people of faith all over the world. Absolutely. Starting with the, just walk into our church and you'll Absolutely. see Absolutely. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. We are going to leave that there. Hope you have a great Christmas season. I mean, I think we'll have maybe one more in the Christmas season. I believe so. Yes. Um, otherwise, yeah, we're going to leave it there. Hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. Take care. Bye.